We're going to be in uh, Matthew 7. And I'm going to start off in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you whom if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And Lord, I just pray this morning as we look at this passage, you would create a cry like that of that infant that is in need and really doesn't care what anyone thinks. That baby's going to cry out until that need is met, whatever it might be. And Lord, we need that kind of cry in this hour. God, we need to come to a place of desperation. We need to come to a place, Lord, where we realize that not one moment can we live without you, without your power, without your influence, without your grace working in us and through us. God, somehow make it real to us. We don't understand fully how much we need you. So God, make it real to us. Holy Spirit, open our hearts. Help us to see what you see. Help us to come into the reality of our flesh and its inabilities to do anything good or anything worthy of the gospel and the kingdom of God. But Lord, also open our eyes to the wonder and the hope and the promises that you have made possible for us in the work of the cross, the message of the cross, which is the power of God to where we're born again, we're made alive, we're given the Holy Spirit so that the old things pass away and all things become new, Lord, and you change us, you recreate us, you make us into your image, Lord, you make us lights in this world, you open our mouths, you fill us, with good things, Lord. And you use us as your ambassadors to plead with those that still need to be reconciled with you. So God, this is a desperate hour and we need a desperate cry, Lord. So I thank you, Lord. And I trust you to make it real to us and to produce that cry. So God, speak to us. Open up your word 
to our hearts. Lord, get rid of my inabilities and my weaknesses. Lord, I just surrender this vessel to you and I ask you to speak to all of us. And I thank you and I trust you to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I was thinking, how can I express what's in my heart today? And that baby started crying. And that's it. That's it. Are we willing to cry out like that? To where we don't care. All we know is Jesus is in town and I have a need and I'm going to get his attention. Because only he has what I need. That's really what the message is about today. Ask, seek, and knock. Now, it almost seems odd where Jesus placed this. You know, we just looked at judgment last week. And really this whole last chapter is focusing on judgment in its different ways and various uh, ways that that happens. And then right there in the middle of it, we get ask, seek, knock. Why? Well, just think about the whole Sermon on the Mount. Just think about the theme of judgment. Think about that we are heading to a day that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5 where we're going to stand before God, all of us. We're going to be judged. What did we do with what God has given to us? How do we use our lives? How do we treat people? Did the love of Christ manifest itself in our lives? Did we relinquish the rights of our lives and give them to God for his purposes, for his glory, for his kingdom, and for lost souls? What did we do with the words of Jesus? And when we go through the Sermon on the Mount, we're kind of left with, I don't measure up to this. This is a high standard. There's warnings, there's admonitions, there's exhortations, and there's standards that are spoken by the one to whom we must give an account. Last week we looked at, you know, this serious matter of judging and the danger of condemning people. But then, you know, he says, right after that, don't give what's holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. In other words, we are to be God's people on the earth, and we are to discern who and when to present the holy things of God to who and when to withhold those holy things of God, namely the gospel. And we can't do that if we don't have what God gives us, the Holy Spirit, his discernment, knowing what he knows, seeing how he sees. And as we, again, look at this whole Sermon on the Mount, we're kind of left with the effect that it's humbling. I'm humbled. We use this as a 
uh, in one of the appendices in our book for marriage. We give it to couples to kind of help them come down a notch and, and to kind of get in their rightful place. And they go through the Sermon on the Mount, and they basically say, am I this, yes or no? Am I this, yes or no? Am I this, yes or no? And by the time you get through it, again, you feel like this is too high of a standard. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Or I could say merciful. And that last verse, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Well, I can't do that. This is too high of a standard for me. It's humbling. We might feel hopeless, helpless. I mean, how do I do this? How do I live this out? Well, Jesus gives the answer. Ask, seek, knock. It shall be opened up to you. That's a promise. That's the connection. That's why this is placed where it's placed. God is helping us to see we can live this way. He does expect us to live this way. And he wants us to ask him, to seek him, to knock so that he can give us what we need. Ask. It will be given to you. Seek. You will find. Knock. It will be opened up to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. I don't know about you, but to me that looks like an absolute promise. From God, spoken by the Son of God who was given all authority to say it. It's not a universal promise. It doesn't mean God should just grant me every desire and every request I want. We would definitely destroy ourselves if he did that. And he knows that. God has a much better way or something so much better than what we would know to ask for. We would want our thorns removed. We would want our trials to go away or that circumstance we might find ourselves in. We would want everyone to be nice to us. No one, no conflict. Think about how we pray. Think about the things we ask God for. But yet God has something else in mind. He has something better. So if we're promised... Everything we need by God, why is it we are what we are? (laughs) Why don't we live out the Sermon on the Mount more perfectly? Why aren't we maybe being conformed more and more to the image of Christ? Why aren't we walking more in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? All that we need is offered to us. Well, I think the problem is how we ask. It's easy to ask in a time of crisis. It's easy to ask 
when God maybe is prompting us to do something. That might cause a little desperation in us. But the problem with that is that's not all the time. You see, we have to ask right. We have to understand that every moment, every hour is desperate. We are in desperate need for what God can only give to us. And it's just not real enough to to any of us. It's not real enough to me. We have to see our need. And people aren't desperate the way they need to be in church. Sometimes because they don't understand their need. And a lot of times it's because what they're being preached. A lot of times they're not hearing just how bad they really are. Just how sinful their sin is. They hear messages that Jesus is all you need. Yeah, but you're not going to cling to Jesus is all you need unless you understand your need. So there's a lack. There's no desperation. Jesus just becomes an add-on then. Jesus said in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit. That is so foundational to our faith. One person said, It's the foundation stone to our faith. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And and really what that means is blessed are those who are utterly, utterly so aware that they are totally spiritually bankrupt before a holy God. They have absolutely nothing they can bring before God. And we get a picture of that with the Pharisee and the publican where the one is priding himself on, you know, what he does and who he is. Versus the sinner that has nothing except a cry. God have mercy on me. A sinner. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We don't like that place. We don't like to feel our need. We really want to believe we got something. I know I do. But poverty means poverty. It means you have absolutely nothing. I have absolutely nothing I can bring to God. Again, we like sermons where we're told Jesus is all we need. But we not necessarily like the sermons that tell us we're helpless that we have to go to the cross to be saved. It's only the man who says like Paul, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul got it. And, you know, we see the struggle there in Romans 7. Things I want to do, I don't do. You know, I see this Sermon on the Mount. I know I'm supposed to do it, but I don't do it. There's something else going on in me. There's this war going on. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Then we go into Romans 8, which is pointing to what Jesus is telling us to ask for. So when you understand your need, what Jesus is emphasizing in the asking and the seeking and the knocking is really persistence, 
perseverance and insistence until I get what I need. It's not a casual little prayer. Oh, I'm still like this. Oh, my heart is still black. Oh, whatever we're dealing with. And we get examples of this in Scripture. We see it in Luke 11, where this guy has a guest in verse 5, and, and Jesus says, Which of you shall have a friend go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. It's a picture of people in need and the reality that I have nothing to give this person. But my friend does. <laughs> Will he not answer within and say, don't trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say, and this is the other place where he talks about this. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus is making a point how to ask. In Luke 18, he spoke a parable. He said, Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice from me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him? Day and night, though he bears long with them, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless... When the Son of Man, will he really find faith on earth? If you go through the rest of that chapter, we see that example of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Again, he's teaching us something about how to ask and the position we're in, in the asking. Like that publican. And then he finishes with saying, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. That little baby. You need to be like that little baby that's there with mama in the back. Was, was she crying out? Okay. But she does, doesn't she? When she needs something. And so do you guys just let her lay there and like, eh, don't worry about it? No. You attend to that cry, right? 
you might not get up right away, Ken, right, in the middle of the night, but it's kind of like a squeaky wheel, like, okay, you know, all right, she's not going to stop. That's what Jesus is saying. That's how I want you to be. Obviously, he's not that unjust judge. But he's saying, like, even that judge is going to give the lady what she wants. How much more your heavenly father? Again, how many times have we all gone through this? Man, I know I'm not where I need to be. Man, I, I, I just haven't praying the way I should be. I don't, I'm not reading my Bible the way I should be. I feel cold. There's times I just want to let people have it. Forget about loving them. You know, the list goes on and on. We just know, like, we're not where we should be, right? So what do we usually do? All right, man. Or maybe we're going to service or, or something happens and God's dealing with it. We're like, all right, well, i just I got to stop this. And we, and we pull up our bootstraps, as it were. That's it. I got to start going after God. And we even come up with a plan and we get up the next day and we're going to start seeking God. And we do good, sometimes for a few days, sometimes a few weeks. And then we find ourselves again at that place, or sometimes worse. Why is that? Because asking, seeking, and knocking is a moment-by-moment existence for the man or woman who desires to know God, to walk with God, and to live in the Spirit. It's not just when we're in a crisis. It's every single moment of the day. Every second, the, the, the awareness. I can do nothing without God. Lord, help me. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We got to be like blind Bartimaeus. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. And I'm going to mention this later, but just think about if you were in a desert and you were thirsty, you were dying of thirst, what would be the only words you'd be saying? Water, water, water. Well, it's no different for us as believers. Every moment it should be, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Because we live in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And we need the Spirit of God. Like that dying man in the desert. But we don't understand it very well. Luke 18 gives us a, a picture of someone that was desperate. It was a blind man. And I don't know what happened, but maybe he heard about Jesus and what he was doing. Opening the eyes of the blind. Curing lepers. He had heard about all the miracles. Something in him said, it must be him. 
This must be him who was foretold. It must be the Messiah. And then he hears, he's coming to my town. And somehow he gets himself in a place where he's close to where Jesus is walking. And he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Does it again. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone says, shut up. Shh, be quiet. They did, if you read it. And you know what it says? He cried out even louder. Like that baby. He didn't care. I need what he has. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says Jesus stopped. You know why? God loves the cry of the beggar. It gets his attention. You know why? Because he knows that man, that woman understands their need. I can help them. And Jesus so graciously says, what do you want me to do for you? How would you like that? God saying to you, what can I do for you? Again, oh, can you get me out of the trial? Oh, can you do this for me? Whatever. And he says, well, I'd like to see. I'd like to receive my sight. Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. It's nothing for Jesus. But listen to what he said. Your faith has made you well. It was a cry of faith. He didn't doubt. Something in him knew. If I could get his attention, he has what I need. I've heard about him. Have you heard about him? Do you know what he can do? Are you desperate? You need more love? You want to operate in the gifts and the power of God? You want to be a better husband, a better wife, a better father? You want to be able to go out and proclaim the gospel with boldness and not be in fear? Ask. God's in town. He's always in town. Now, in these next verses, he wants us to understand now who we're asking. And he uses a contrast in verse 9. What man among you, if he asks for bread, will give him a stone? If a son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, Jesus called us evil? See that again, that doesn't fly very well. Yes, you're evil. I'm evil without God. Again, that's not cool today. But Jesus said it. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So he uses an example there of an earthly father 
whose nature is evil, yet still knows how to give good things to his children. How much more? Man's nature, we, this, you know, all this stuff we're seeing in the news, I know you listen to the news and all the opinions and the talking heads on TV, and they think they know why this is happening, why the shootings, why this, why that. And I want to yell at the screen, Romans 1! It's all Romans 1! You're denying God! You're suppressing the truth! This is the result of it! Everything you're seeing, the vileness, what they're doing to our kids, all of it. It's because they've rejected God. We don't want your truth. We don't want you around here, God. And that's why we're seeing what we see. And that's what man is, evil without God. And so evil is having its way. By nature, we're all children of wrath. We're all evil. We're, we were all enemies of God. By nature, we are not his children. You know, this whole notion of universal fatherhood, it's not biblical. We're, everybody isn't God's children. That's not true. Jesus spoke of those who are of their father, the devil, who did his works. That's what mankind is without God. God is only our father when we satisfy certain conditions. John 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, we must be born again. We've all sinned against God. We all deserve the wrath and punishment of God. Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans 5 verse 8 says God demonstrates his own love. Toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. And then in Romans 8, verse 11, it says, If the Spirit of Him, if you are born again and the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, that Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren... We're not debtors to live to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That to me speaks of a different life. 
Such were some of you, but you have been washed. You have been cleansed. You are a new creation. And that's why the Sermon on the Mount applies to us. And God expects us to be changing moment by moment and becoming more and more what all the words Jesus spoke are describing. And we do it by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. I am God's child. Because of what Jesus did. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. That means God, my Father, is first of all interested in me because I'm his child. He has an interest in me. He has an interest in you. He's concerned about you. He wants what's best for you. He's a good father. He's watching over you, even when you think he's not. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life, just like we want to do with our kids sometimes. But really, it's God who has a purpose for their life. He's got a purpose for your life. They're all written out in a book. Good works prepared beforehand for you to do. He wants to bless and he wants to help you. He's a good father. I mean, if an evil father gives good things, how much more your heavenly father? He really does want to give you what you need. Don't doubt him. You have to understand who you're asking. We got to get a hold of that. We really do. I think a lot of times we make a God of our own image. But the God of the Bible, if you are truly his child, he wants what's best for you. He wants to give you what you need more than you want it. Again, a lot of time the problem is we don't see our need for it. We don't know how to ask for it, believe for it, hold faith for it. We see him as the mean judge. Oh, he don't want to help me. He don't want to give me what I need. No, he does. He really does. Because he's your father, though, he's not going to give you anything that's evil. Only what's good for you. Only what's good for you. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, there's no shadow of turning. You ever around someone, or maybe you had a father or mother or spouse or whoever, and you never know which one you're getting that day. 
My wife feels that way about me sometimes in the morning. <laughs> Which Jeff am I getting? The grouchy Jeff or the one that'll look at me and say, good morning. <laughs> you said that to me not too long ago. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. God's not like that. He's always the same. We see him differently, but he doesn't change. He's always the same. He's pure love. He's always thinking of what's best for you. The problem is we don't like a lot of times what he thinks is best for us. So then we see him as mean or he's not hearing us, whatever. How much more will your heavenly father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? Well, now the question is, what are those good things? Well, Luke bears it out, what they are. In Luke eleven thirteen, he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? You see, in giving us the Holy Spirit, he really gives us everything. Every kind of strength, the power we require, every grace, every gift, they're all given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So the asking, the seeking, the knocking that Jesus has in mind is not the asking of a passing half-hearted whim but the asking of intense desire. I feel like that sometimes, I, I hate to say that, it's, it's more when there is a need. It's getting more and more real to me, a little more moment by moment, how much I need him to do anything but also believing him that he's going to give me what I need because he told me he would. But it has to be what he wants, what he desires, what he's offering according to his will. And it's his will that you have the Holy Spirit in all of its workings that he has designed for the Holy Spirit to work in the life of a believer. Everything. And then that passage in Isaiah 44, 3 kind of explains that desire that I shared earlier. Like that guy in the desert. It says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Are you thirsty? Am I thirsty? Am I thirsting? Do I realize I live in a land where there is no water? Am I crying out, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have a greater way in me. God, fill me. God, possess me. God, take control of me. Every moment, every hour, God, I yield everything I am to you. Lord, I just take my life, Lord. I offer it up a living sacrifice. That's the beginning. He can't fill something that's full. We have to be empty. We have to be in that place of poverty where we realize I have nothing but God. 
We have to be broken. We have to be surrendered. We have to want to do his will. And the promises he'll fill us. I will pour water upon dry ground. So when our hearts are crying, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, that's when he does it. Jesus is giving us an invitation in this passage. He's basically saying, ask me. Seek. Knock. And it will be open to you. But we need to become desperate people. I can't make myself desperate. I can't make you desperate. But even that we can ask for. God, I don't feel desperate. God, I don't think I sense my need the way I need to. God, make me desperate. God, make us desperate. Help us to see the hour we're living in and our need for you. We need what the early church had. They were desperate people who would come down to that place of poverty, who had learned the secret of asking, seeking, and knocking. How did God get them to that place? He basically brought them through fire. And I know God has been doing that. A lot of what has been happening in our country, in the church, I think a lot of what's happening maybe in our own personal lives, it's God. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get us to that place of desperation. I think there's a strong delusion over many. I I told Rose, you know, you, you go out and about and you look at the gas prices going up and all the inflation and everything, but everything's still packed. And I can't help but think that just like the days of buying and selling, they're just going on and on and on. And then you look at the news and you see this, the depravity that our society is sinking into. The, the things I see, I thought I would never see. Little kids being brought to drag queen shows and participating. And all the things that's going on in the schools with these kids. All the things they're being fed and told. The violence. You can't even get on a subway in New York anymore. And almost every day, I I read now, just this morning, a bus slammed into nine people. I guess we need to ban buses. It's the buses. No. It's the evil in men's hearts. It's because people are without God. It's because we've rejected God. And it's getting darker and darker and darker. And the darker it gets, there's so much of a greater need for the church to get lighter and lighter and lighter. And we need the power of God. That's the only thing. That's what they were facing. They were coming into some heavy stuff, some heavy persecution. 
And God was preparing them. God had to get them to a place, especially Peter, right? Where he realized, I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I can't do this. I can't go and do what Jesus said unless I get what he told me I need. And they all got it. And they all got up in that upper room. And they began to cry out. They didn't stop crying out until God gave them what they needed. They were desperate. And it says in Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all there. They were all in one place, in one accord. Something got a hold of all of them. That's what we need in this hour. Something's got to get a hold of all of us. Not just one, not just two, all in one accord, all crying the same cry. All looking to God with the same expectation. And then suddenly came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all of them. Because Jesus promised it to all of them. And they began to speak with other tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance. Speaking with boldness the things of God. That's what we need. Further down, verse 41, it says they were gladly, people were gladly receiving the word of God. 3,000 were saved. Fear was upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And I guarantee you, they weren't half salvations. It was the real deal. And here's the key. Okay, we had a great meeting. Man, 3,000 got saved. Guess we don't need to ask anymore. No. It says they continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. They didn't stop because they knew we need this every moment, every hour. And because of it, they were boldly proclaiming the gospel. In the face of opposition, and we're going to be facing a lot more of that in the days to come. And it says in verse 33, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Great grace, the favor of God, the grace of God abundantly rested on the whole community. A large measure of the inward power of the Holy Ghost, the resources of heaven were there at their dispensal. Their dispense. That's what we need. We don't need programs. We don't need men's ideas. We don't need methods from the world. We need the Holy Spirit. So this is where we are. A vital church in a crucial time. We need to become what the church should be. The people that God has called us to be. But we have to learn what it means to be desperate. We have to learn how to ask, seek, and knock, and believe 
that our Heavenly Father wants to give us what we need. Duncan Campbell said, how many today are really prepared to face the stark fact that we have been outmaneuvered by the strategy of hell because we tried to meet the enemy on human levels and with human energy. We may have succeeded in getting people to go to church, maybe even go out on missions and do crusades, but we didn't make them God-conscious. If you can go for weeks and not feel burdened for God to bring revival to your own life, to your church, to your nation, a cry, a cry to God to place his loving, broken heart over yours. Because God is not willing that any would perish. It should break the heart of any child of God to know millions eternally perish each year because God's people are not what they should be. I walk by that, whatever you want to call it, hotel right next door. There was a gentleman out outside there today. And I think I got in human strength. And I'm like, I'm going to go over. I'm going to talk to him. And I started walking over. And he saw me coming. And he turned around in his wheelchair. And he went in and he closed the door. But if God got a hold of him, He'd be leaving rubber with his wheelchair to talk to me. It's not going to be with human wisdom, with human power. It's got to be a cry. Holy Spirit, invade that place. Holy Spirit, come down. Holy Spirit, manifest yourself through our lives. Only then. Ask God to make you desperate for him. And then keep that burden ever before you until God answers your prayer. Because this is the boldness that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of him. God's in town. What are we going to do about it? There's a need. It's not just us. There's a need all around us. And Lord, I just want to pray for myself, for all of us here, for those listening. We need that cry, Lord. We need this desperation. We need to take at face value what you are telling us in these verses. We need the reality of our need before us, but we also need the reality of what you're offering. And Lord, that when you say, ask, seek, and knock, and it will be open to you, that's not an empty promise. And when you tell us how much more our Heavenly Father wants to give us the Holy Spirit. It should cause faith in us to believe you that you're not a liar. Doesn't matter what we feel. It doesn't matter 
our experience, our circumstance. It matters who you are and what you have said. And Lord, this is a desperate hour. We need more than we have, Lord. In many ways, the church is bankrupt, but she doesn't understand she is. She thinks she's rich. She thinks she has everything she needs. But she's blind. She doesn't know her own wretchedness. She doesn't understand her need for you. But Lord, you're counseling us. You're calling us to seek you for what we need. And it starts with repentance. It starts, Lord, with those things in our lives, Lord. The sins. The things that so easily ensnare us. Lord, it starts there. It starts with repenting. It starts with allowing you to clothe us. Not making our own coverings and doing good works, Lord. But, Lord, repenting and getting right with God and appropriating what you did for us. It starts there. But it goes on, Lord. You don't just cleanse us. You don't just empty our vessels and make them clean, Lord. Your desire is to fill them. You want to sup with us. You want to be one with us, Lord. And the invitation is you're knocking, really. It's us who needs to open the door. It's us that has to believe you really want to come in. You really want to invade and take us over and fill us completely. God, I pray for all of us. Give us that desperation. Give us eyes out first and foremost so we'll see. We'll understand our need, but then give us the faith. Make us like blind Bartimaeus, Lord, a cry that won't be shut up, that won't be silenced until we get your attention, Lord, until we have what we need. Help us to persevere in it, Lord. Help us to hold faith. I pray you'll look down and you will find faith in our lives, in this church, and in your church worldwide, Lord. Raise those ones up in this hour, Lord. Do what you did in the disciples, Lord. Whatever it takes to help us to come to our senses, Lord. To get to the place where we'll begin to look to you and be expectantly looking to you, God. To give us to what we only have in you, Lord. So God, I thank you. And I'm trusting you to put that into our hearts. So God, have your way in us, Lord. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.